and our prayer for 9-11. lives remembering them would you stand just and I don't know where you were on that day some of you may not have been old enough but I remember exactly where I was and I'm thankful for the men and women who risked their lives and even their lives were taken on that day as they went in as heroes to try to save the lives of people and so we honor them today and I, I think one of the things that really I remember the most is how this terrible tragedy, actually nobody started thinking about all the other problems in the world. It was about what are we going to do together. Y'all remember that? It was, it was a feeling of this is our country. This, you're my neighbor. It doesn't matter. Black, white, red, yellow. None of that mattered that day. And we saw our nation come together because we were hurting. And so... I, I thank all of the first responders even that went in and risked their lives and gave their lives. Amen? So we, don't, we, don't ne we never want to forget. And we thank you to all you first responders now that are working and helping us. Yes, thank you. All of our emergency personnel, our police, our firemen, those that are working, running ambulance every, every day, thank you so much. We appreciate you. And all the doctors and nurses and hospitals and They've done so much in the, even the last couple of years. And so we are grateful for you who work and uh, help take care of us. Amen? Amen? Stay standing this morning. I also want to take a moment, and, and if you're a guest with us today, I say welcome to CLC Church. We're glad that you're here. Amen? If it's your first time, listen, listen, Debbie and I want you to feel at home. And one of the things that we're normally recognized by, people always say this, is that it just felt comfortable. It felt like home when I came in. And hopefully you got a hug or a handshake or a high five. We want you to feel that way. It's our extension uh, to you to make you feel at home and also feel the presence of God, feel the love of God in this place. That's what it's all about. And I uh, also want to take a minute and recognize all those watching online with us today. Watching around the globe, actually. Come on, can we give them, welcome them into our service today. Praying for you, praying that God does a work in you. Amen. Just give us a like if you're watching on YouTube or on Facebook right now. Tell us what this ministry means to you or how God, God touches your heart today. We'd like to know. Amen. Remain standing. I'm going to get into the Word and the Scripture. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go into Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And we'll begin with verse 42. All right. I know most of you are probably reading on screen. If you have your Bibles, that's great. So let me give the context of what's happening here. So right before this, we, if you've been around church at all, you know in Acts chapter 2 is when the Holy Spirit came. Jesus had left this earth and said, look, I have to go because there's another one coming. And he's going to be with you and inside of each and every one of you. Jesus is like, I can't be with you all at once, but the Holy, my Spirit is coming and you can have a personal relationship with you. And then we see in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Ghost fell. 
And the day of Pentecost, when they begin to speak in other languages. And at that time, uh, the Feast of Pentecost was happening. So there were Jews from every nation, every tongue that were there. And they heard these people from the upper room speaking their language. Each one had a different language. And they were speaking of the things of God. And uh, they're, they're like, how is this? How can this be? How are these people speaking in our language? And Peter gets up and begins to preach and say, you know, Jesus Christ, the one you just put on the cross, he is the Christ. He is the anointed one. And you have slain him and you have uh, crucified him and he was your savior. And then we see in Acts 2.38, the Bible says they, they repented. They said, what must we do to be saved? And he said, you must repent and be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit into your life. And so they, they were under conviction of the word. Now, they came together. Everybody say together. And this is where the church began. It's called the Ecclesia, and I'll talk about that a minute in a minute, but this is where the new, the church began. The, the dream of Jesus began, and so here they are, and I'm going to show you what kind of community that they had, because it's Christ that brings us together, and so we'll talk about that today. Um, let's read. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Everybody say, they devoted. If you're going to get anything out of this, you've got to have some devotion. Or else church is just a routine, it's a law, to, or it's a ritual to you. But they were devoted to what? To the Word. And they came together, and there was fellowship. They were, began to fellowship and build relationships. And then they broke bread together. In other words, somebody had some homemade lasagna. Or somebody was cooking hamburgers on the grill. Came together. You know, the Lord always included food. Thank you, Lord. And then they were devoted to prayer. So teaching the word of God, fellowshipping, friendships developed, breaking of bread, good food together, and praying for one another. What a community. And it says everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Look, I think we've kind of lost that, that aspect today. You know why? Because there's not this fellowship and communion in the word like God wants. But when we are in the Word, your faith is built up. And not only that, you're a better person. You act right. You talk right, right? Come on, somebody. I got to get somebody. Oh, you're going to get quiet on me now. It's hard to have a bad attitude when you're in the Word. It's hard to speak negativity when you're in the Word. See how that works? I mean, it's like when I'd go around my mom and dad, when I, every time I, you know, even when I was young, you know, I, when you're a teenager, you know, you talk a certain way with your friends. When you get around your parents, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, clean conversation. When you're in the Word, it'll clean you up. 
and you'll feel better. Amen, somebody? Oh, there's a lot of preaching this right here. We're gonna get, we, I better keep going. And all the believers were what? And they had everything in common. What brought them together? The Word and Christ in their hearts. Amen. And so they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. I'm not asking anybody to sell your house today. The whole point is that they took care of each other. If you've been around this church, you know we do Heart for the House every year. You know what that Heart heart for the House offering goes to? It's not just to raise an offering for the church. It goes to take care of families in the church that are going through some tough times. And it starts at Christmas, and it goes throughout the rest of the year, and and we're taking care of one another because all of us together can do way more than we can by ourselves. Amen? So that's what that means. And every day they continue to meet. It's important to get to church. It's important to have some kind of Bible study going on with one another. Amen? And they broke bread. Look, they're still eating, and they're eating again. (laughs) And so they broke bread, ate together with glad and sincere hearts. It wasn't grudgingly like, I got to go. Got to be at church. No, it's like, I can't wait. Can't wait to be with people that are going in the same direction as I am. Amen. To help me along the way. And they praise God. You know, one thing I would like to see is during our worship time is some of you get a little more active. Now don't be clapping your hand if you ain't. Hey. And I don't know what kind of background you came from because, you know, every, everybody comes from a different background the way you worship or whatever. Uh, but the, my Bible says raise your hands. Clap your hands in the sanctuary. Give a shout unto God. It, I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says worship quietly. Now, I realize you may do that on your own sometimes. But when it, we come together, they, when people of God came together, they, no, they blew the trumpets. They stomped their feet. They shouted with a shout of a, a voice of triumph and a, this, with joy in their hearts. So we ought to praise the God who went to the cross. And Oh, that's, that's a whole nother thing. And enjoying the favor of all people. Favor, 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 favor. God begins to build relationship favor. Not just on Sunday morning. I'm talking about relationship favor even with people in the church with businesses and things begin to work together. It's like, oh, you do that? Oh, uh, yeah. And, and when we're in oneness and we're all doing it and we know our focus is the kingdom of God, but God's providing, all of a sudden there's favor begins to come on. You're, hey, I can do this for you. You can do this for me. Uh, man. Oh, I just thought I'd get off on that a little bit. Always more in the scripture. And the Lord added... Now, that's pretty easy to understand. Added to their number daily. They weren't having to beg people. People said, I want to be a part of that. That's the kind of community I want to be a part of. And let me tell you, this is God's vision for his church. Y'all with me? It's your pastor's vision. When I first got in the ministry, this was the scripture of the foundation for my purpose to get into ministry. God, when I read this and it began to really resonate with me, I said, that's the kind of church, Lord, I want to try to build, and I want you to know about it. 
Because that's what we're trying to achieve here. Because we all need to grow relationally. Don't get quiet on me. Spiritually, amen. Strengthening one another so we can make a difference. Hallelujah. So my title of my message today is, You Were Never Meant to Do Life Alone. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you, Father, for your word today, God. I pray, Lord, you bring it alive in our hearts today. Open everybody's hearts today to receive something from this message, God. Speak to us. You know what, Lord? Make me better. Make us better than when we walked in here in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, years ago, it may have been back in the 50s probably, and some of you have lived long enough to, to, to know what happened back then. But back then, they would construct houses with front porches. A lot of the houses, matter of fact, I, my parents grew up uh, down in Denver Harbor. Some of you may know where that's at in Houston, but in inside the 610 loop right off of I-10 uh, there in the inner city. And matter of fact, my, my, my dad began to buy his whole street up of his neighbor's houses and, and get into real estate. And we still have those homes. I mean, they're little two-bedroom, some of them even one-bedroom homes, but they have porches. And I, I, I remember staying at my grandmother's house. And by the, way, by the way, they're passing out something I haven't even told you about yet. But you would, go ahead, guys. They're passing out, y'all, some yummy cookies this morning, okay? Because back then, you know, we didn't have all the congestion and the traffic jams and the busyness. And so in the evening time, you know what people would do? They'd get out on their front porch. Sometimes walk, you know, along the street. And they'd be talking, waving at the neighbor across the street. And then before long, you would end up on their front porch. Sitting in the swing, having something cool to drink and some nice cookies or homemade pie. That's back when people cooked all the time. They had to. And so I want to invite you to my front porch this morning. They're sugar-free in Jesus' name. But they're passing out cookies. I just wanted you to feel at home this morning. I wanted you to feel a little bit of community. But this is the way it was. This is what community was a big deal how we doing? Anybody not got a cookie? I want to make sure. If you want a cookie, I want to give you a cookie. And by the way, we wrapped them. They're all nice and neat. We're not, not everybody's touching their hands on them, none of that, okay? They're all nice and wrapped up. And So this was a way of life. Anybody remember this day? You might live long enough to remember some of this yet, some of you. I'm not trying to get you to admit your age. I'm just saying but that's the way it was. Interaction with one another. It, life was good. But everybody say, welcome to the 21st century. Now we're in reality. Lots of traffic. I mean, we're so tense when we get off of work. From sitting in traffic, dealing with people all day. You come home, and now in front of your house is, is a garage door. And most of you have a little button right there, or you have your program programmed in your car where you can hit that button and it opens up the garage door. 
And you're coming down the road and you see neighbors on both sides out in the front yard. And you know Joe, Joe going to keep you for 20 minutes at least. And, and, and Sammy over here, you know, he wants to gripe about everything in life. And they're out in their front yard, and so you see them, and they see you coming, and they're like just ready ready for you to hit the driveway. And you hit the button, and the garage door goes up, and you're like, I've been sitting in traffic. I'm tired of talking to people. I don't want to see another person. And you get in the garage, and, and they're starting to walk towards your garage, and you just hit the button. <laughs> and you don't escape to the front porch because it's usually a brick wall now. If anything, you head to the back of the house where the family room's at and you plop down on the couch and watch TV. Or if you do head outside, it's not definitely not going to be in the front yard. It's going to be in the back yard. Because the last thing you want to do is answer another question, another request. I'm not saying all y'all like this, but this, is, this pretty much spells out everybody right now. I mean, we want to avoid people at all cost. But I'm here to remind you, cost it does. Because avoiding people comes with a price tag. I understand how you feel. Now, now some of you are more open and you're extroverts. And I'm more of, honestly, y'all would be surprised. I'm more of an introvert. Um, but there are a lot of, my wife is just the opposite of me. I mean, she comes home, she will talk to everybody, anybody all the time. And me, when I'm tired and I've been talking with people all day long, like she knows, like I have a limit. Anybody, you got like an account, like, of, of, and once I reach the end of that, <laughs> I have to go recharge. It's not, not, it's not a bad thing to be an introvert. That's just me. And you know what my recharge is? Quietness. No phone calls, no texting, no nothing. Just birds singing and a little wind blowing. See, my wife, I mean, she loves that too. But, but some of you extroverts, I mean, you recharge. You're just ready to have another conversation. So you fill that thing back up like, yeah. Frank, he, he's an extrovert. He wants to talk all the time. You won too. Yes, hallelujah. Amen. But it comes with a price tag. Matter of fact, George Gallup said this. He said, Americans are among the loneliest people in the world. In the midst of our busy lives, our overcommitted schedules, our congested cities, people still feel all alone. And although, I mean, can I say social media? We're using that as an out to try to have a relationship, but that will not give you real relationship. And so what's happened is, is we've created an isolation, and especially with COVID and the pandemic and all that happened, people are suffering even from uh, mental disorders and anxiety because of everything it's created. I saw it create some of that in my own kids because they couldn't go to school. And so when it came time to go back to school, there was some anxiety about it. And even people going back to work right now. There, there's, how many of you would admit it, it was good for a little while, but you still, God made you. 
where you, you need people in your life. And so, you know, how can this be? How can this be? We're around church, all the, we're around church people. We go, we go to work with people. We go to the gym. We're around people. Uh, we, you know, we have access to people. That's not the issue. There are people around us having acquaintances isn't the problem. We have a lot of those, right? So why are we lonely? I'm going to tell you, it's because we're not really known by anybody. Like, really known. Like, where you're, you're doing life with somebody. It's better to do life with somebody that knows you. I want somebody that knows James, that understands me, that where I don't have to put on a front. Just be me. You know, I mean, I, I don't, I, that's what I'm talking about, that kind of relationship. We live around a lot of people, but we're not experiencing life deeply with anybody. And so we are a culture that's craving relationship, but we're in the, right here in the middle of our busy lives and people all around us, I believe people are living lonely lives. That's why suicide rates are up. That's why people, I mean, it, it's, it's a crazy thing. And so what it is, though, is we're missing the regular connection of meaningful relationships in our lives. And that's not God's plan. That's not God's plan. Amen? Let's go back to the original plan. You know, I always we talked about it this morning. We talked about it Wednesday night. If you don't know the answer, don't just say, well, I think. No, we go back and say, well, let's see what the Word says. You may think, well, this is what I think, Pastor. This is what I think. Well, that's great what you think, but does it line up with this? Because this is the one who uh, made us. I think, he, I think he pretty much knows how we work, right? He put us together. And so in the original plan, it says that God created the what? The heavens and the earth and everything in it. And God repeats this one phrase six times. He says, and he saw that it was good, okay? And then he gets to man, and he creates man, and God changes his phrase a little bit. He didn't say it was just good. He said, this is very good. Why? Because you are God's prized creation. But then something happened, and God said, you know, something's still not quite right. And in Genesis 2.18, it says God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Now, a lot of times you hear that verse in, in, at a wedding. You hear them quote that when we, when we talk about even a husband and wife. Uh, but I believe that this goes beyond a marriage relationship. I believe that God is also stating the importance of us connecting well with others. And notice something here at this point in Scripture, and this is very important. The fall of man had not happened yet. There was no sin so man is walking with God in the garden. There is no broken relationship between him and God. God's loving man and man's loving God. Yet God describes this man as being alone. And it's not good. And inside of every human being, you've heard me say this many times, there is a God void. That's why people are... are they're, they're struggling to find their purpose. And we just got through a whole series of helping people find their purpose. Because you'll never fill that void until you receive God to fill that in your life. You'll never understand. You'll be the most unhappy person. You'll never find the abundant life until God fills that void. But according to Genesis, that's not the only void. But God created a human void 
on the inside of us that God himself will not feel. And so even though man was in a state of sinless perfection, he was alone, and God says, that's not good. Matter of fact, loneliness is a terrible way to live. Nobody deserves a life of isolation. We all need a few close friends in our life. Now, I'm not talking about where you just, ever, everybody knows everything about you. That's not what I'm talking about. But you need a few close people that you can do life with that hold you accountable, that make you stronger, and are going in a spiritual direction you need to go in. Amen. We might have some friends and close friends, but they ain't not going the right direction. My dad always said, son, you become who you hang out with. So who you who you hanging out with? That made me think as a young man. Like, oh, I, man, I don't like the way I, I don't know if I want to be like that. And what does it look like to hang out with me? Not just them. What 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 kind of influence am I? Amen. But here's what happens when you live life alone. Let me name a few things. First of all, and this is in your notes, we can easily lose our perspective of what life is about. Because, look, your family and your friends are the most valuable asset that you'll ever have. You can lose anything in the world, but let me tell you something. Your family and your friends are the most important thing that you'll ever have because they make life matter. Amen? I don't care how many cars or houses or things you have or how much money you got in the bank account. There are so many lonely, miserable people that have all those things, but they don't have family and they don't have any friends. That's why the Bible says gain the whole world but lose your own soul. I mean, it, it, it just, you can't lose perspective. And let me remind you, you have a real enemy whose, whose strategy is to isolate us so that he can attack you and destroy you. There's nothing like loneliness and being by yourself or feeling all alone and the enemy comes and works right here. He'll tear you down. But if you got a few friends in your life that are going the same direction, if I'm going to church and maybe I don't feel so good this Sunday, but man, I sit with my friends, I get connected with people we're, and, and, and we're going out to eat together and we're hanging out and some, you know, sometimes it's just being friends, doing stuff that's fun or whatever, all of a sudden it takes me out of that darkness so the enemy don't have time to attack me. How many you know you're your own worst enemy and then the enemy just comes and he wants to destroy you. Why? Sheep are never attacked in herds. Sheep are attacked when they become isolated from the rest of the flock. That's why the church body is so important. Amen? Here's another thing that happens. We, we tend to fear intimacy. Intimacy. I, I like to say it into me. Intimacy. In other words, we get close, but not too close. It's like an acquaintance, you know. Hey, hey, what's up, man? Hey. It's cool, bro. It's good to see you. But we don't get close. And, and maybe a lot of times it's caused because, because we've been hurt or you've experienced hurt in your family, even growing up. Even it could have been with a parent. It could have been a bad relationship. It could have been something where you were hurt. It could be... Uh, 
a friendship. I mean, I spoke with someone recently where I, I could tell they were isolating themselves, isolating themselves, and, and I said, can I just talk to you? Can, you know I love you. You know I love you, and I'm going to be real with you. Yes, I know you, I know you love me. I said, look, here's what I see from the outside in. I said, you are isolating yourself and your anxiety, because they were talking about how their anxiety was just off the charts, and anxiety will play havoc on you. I mean, it's like every time they walk in a room, even being around other people, and I I said, I know a little bit about their life, okay? I know a lot about their life, actually. And, And I said, look, it's fear of rejection, it's causing you social anxiety. And I said, I, I want you to realize that because you had some people who, who didn't treat you right. You had some people walk away who weren't your real connection, who weren't, who weren't your real brothers or your real, real friends. And I said, that's causing it. And they said, I know, I know that, I know that. I mean, even to walk in a room, the anxiety goes up. And, and so I said, yeah, but isolation is, creates it even worse. So you have to take a step of faith to begin to get out again. And you, look, when you're going to love somebody, you take a chance. You, you take a step of faith when you do that, right? But God will put the right people in your life. And what happens, though, if you've been hurt, you'll begin to struggle with having real intimacy with somebody in your life. Okay, And so God wants you to get out. God wants you to connect. You can't keep disconnecting. You have to risk. See, nobody likes to risk in this society. You, you know how many times I've been hurt? I'm a pastor, y'all. You know how many times I've built genuine relationships, even with people here at the church, and the next thing I know, I don't know where they are. No reason, no rhyme, no rhythm. It's like, man, like 10 years no explanation. I just go home to my happy self. Oh, thank you, Jesus. No, I'm human. Just remember that. Your pastor's human. I'm not a superhero. I have a heart and I have feelings like everybody else. And if there's an issue, man, what are people supposed to do? What does the word say? Reconcile. Go to your brother. Go to your sister. Try to work things out. Try. That's real love. That's real love. Don't tell me you love me and then walk on me. Whew. You know how many times I have people come and say, this is my church for life. I ain't going nowhere, Pastor. My life. My life. You got me. I'm committed. What do you need me to do? I'm right here. And two weeks later, I ain't lying. Two weeks later. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to talk to me no more. Be like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. No, I'm just here to love you and try to help you. That's all I care about. I may not know all, all of you, you know, uh, in an intimate way, but I, I'm trying to say we got to have that. we got to have that in our lives. And I'm going to do, Debbie and I are going to do, and our staff's going to do our best to pastor you. And, and, but you know what? We can't force you to connect. You need some other, look at those people in the pew because there's some people you need to connect with. See, we, people don't like to talk about this today. All right, I'm going to move on to the next point. Here's what happens. We can actually find ourselves becoming selfish. Now, I want you to look at your neighbor. I want you to look at you. 
It's always somebody else. You know, you're like, Pastor, my niece needs to hear this message. My brother, my husband, my wife needs to hear this message. I'm thinking, well, they're probably thinking the same thing about you. Because disconnected people, they tend to be more selfish. Because isolation will breed selfishness. And if your life is only defined by your schedule, your agenda, your needs, your desires, chances are there's a lot of selfishness going on. Can somebody say, ouch? Some of you just want to get up and walk out on me right now. You don't want to hear that. But over time, when you're disconnected, you become self-absorbed and self-centered. This is powerful. This is good preaching. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Here's another one. This might shock you. When we don't have good relationships in our life, we create a risk of sickness and poor health. Hear me. I, you just go do the medical research. Matter of fact, I, I found this to be funny and sad at the same time. Y'all listen to this. It says, researchers found that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die sooner than those with strong relational connections. People who had bad health habits, such as smoking, poor eating habits, obesity, or alcohol use, yet have strong social ties, live significantly longer than people who had great health habits but were isolated. In other words, it's better to eat Twinkies with good friends than broccoli by yourself. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Come on, baby. That's why I had a chocolate shake yesterday with friends in my car. <laughs> After a good pancake breakfast with bacon. <laughs> I was in good fellowship, though. And I'm not, I'm not endorsing everybody to start hanging out and having margarita parties either, okay? That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Bottom line, strong, healthy relationships can increase good health. All right, so anybody getting my point here? It's not good because the Bible says that we were created for meaningful relationships. We were created that way. Uh, uh, matter of fact, when you do life alone, you are, not, you are not reflecting your creator. God created us, the Bible says, in his own image. So that means if God is a relational being, he created you as a relational being. Now, I'm not saying you got to have friends everywhere. No, but you need somebody. You've heard me say it before. You, you know, you, when Jesus got down and washed the, fe the feet of the, the disciples, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not big on washing anybody's feet. But what I said was you need somebody who gets up between your toes, up and personal, and knows what's going on in your life. Why? Because you'll be better, stronger. You won't fall off the deep end somewhere. Amen? All right. So look what Jesus says. John 17, 11. 
He says, I will, and he's, he's talking about his disciples here. He's talking to the, he's praying to the Father. He says, I'm, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I'm coming to you, Father. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they, notice this, so that they, my disciples, may be one as we are one. That they would experience the same kind of relationship with each other, just like Jesus experienced with the Heavenly Father. Now, I had this morning, I'm sitting in my office, and I'm reading this again, and I, God was giving me even more on this. I don't think I have time to really describe it, but it, 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 it's, when, it's, when it comes to you, God the Father and God you, it's one plus one plus one equals one. That's unity. In other words, when I, if we can each see each other as Jesus on the inside of us, we have a common denominator, which is Jesus, right? So how can we be one? How can we bring unity? It's only through Christ. So I have to see the Christ in you and you see the Christ in me because Christ and the Father are one. Does that make sense? Like they are, they are in unity. So we may not have the same taste, the same personalities. We may not even agree on everything, but one thing we can agree on is what Christ wants for our lives. And so that makes you my brother. That makes you my sister. And so I don't care. I look way past the skin and I look at the person on the inside that God made you to be and Christ on the inside of you. And that makes me love you even more because I know what Christ did for for me and I can see what he's doing for you and so it keeps us sparring on to bring unity in the body come on somebody the world needs to hear that message right now that's why I can go up I can hug people I, I, I mean I, I really mean it hey my brother hey my sister how and I mean that because in Christ you are that oh I wish the world would get a hold of this then he goes on, and Jesus, he was talking about his disciples, that they would be one and get the same kind of love. Why? Because he goes on, and he not only prays for his disciples. Look at verse 20. And he says, my prayer is not for them by themselves. I pray also for those who will believe in me. That was you. You hadn't even been born yet, but those that are coming, uh, that they will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be are y'all with me? Oh, y'all got to get with me. Maybe one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. So, watch this, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So, Jesus' invitation is not only for his disciples, it was for you and I to experience the same kind of meaningful relationships. I'm talking about relationships that bring encouragement and support, genuine love, and relationships that honor one another. People, you know, the enemy has pitted us against each other because there's no honor. You know what honor means? It means to value. I've preached a whole message on honor before. But it means to value. That means I value you. That you have value. That's why they, in marriage it says to honor one another. In sickness and in health. 
Are, are you hearing me? Honor is I value you as a, boy, I'm getting off on some other stuff. I got to hurry, y'all. And notice that last part. Verse 21 says, so that the world may believe that you sent me. Did you catch that? What he's saying is, is that the world, your neighbors, unbelievers, are watching how we relate to one another. In other words, our behavior and the world's belief are connected. Ouch. Ouch. How you acting? You act differently when you're talking to your neighbors than when you are at church. Or at work. You're a totally different person. Boy, it's got quiet. Y'all listening online? Get quiet in here. Get quiet. That's when I know I'm like hitting on a little nerve. Jesus is saying, hey, believers are waiting to believe. But the question is, is will they see us relating the way Jesus wants us to? Remember Jesus said this, John 13, 34. He said a new command. Everybody say a new command. I give you love one another. How? How much has he loved you? That's tough, isn't it? I mean, I'd like to, I'm not up here preaching mad at you. I'm just saying, when you start thinking about it, it's like, man, there's some people I don't want to love. Pastor, you talking about like, oh, there's some people getting on my last nerve. Ugly to me, mean. I don't want to love them. There's only one way you can. It's because of the Christ. And I are one. In order to be in one, I do as he has done for me. That, 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 is, that is some difficult challenge for the human being, right? Frank got up here and read about God's love, the depth, the width, the height, the length of God's love. And we read that and we go, yeah, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. But do we understand it? No, the Bible says you can't even fathom. Your, your human mind cannot even wrap around the idea of God's love for us, we can only go to the, uh, to the ends of what we can think of. But he says, you know what? I'm going to stretch it. And what happens, the more you become Christ-like, the more you get understanding. And it begins to transform you by the renewing of your mind. And then your actions come forth, the fruit of what? Anybody? you got to grow. I'm trying to stretch it this morning a little bit while we're talking about don't live life by yourself. So he says... As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everybody will know you're my disciples. Your kids will know you, a disciple. Your wife. See what I'm saying? Like you get home and you yelling and screaming and doing all it, huh? It's just me and you, babe, this morning. Like it is so quiet in here. I mean, I'm like... I'm trying to get you to change. Like, but God's trying to do a work. He, I'm do, we're doing some surgery this morning. Is that okay? Doing some surgery because it'll change the way you talk to each other and your conversation. I've caught myself like, I, oh, my gosh. I mean, I've actually, 
you know, gotten up so upset with one of my kids and, and raised my voice. And, you know, when you do that, then your temperature goes up in the room and anger sets in and you say things that are hurtful that you can't take back. And I felt the Holy Spirit said, stop. Right or wrong, stop. See, that's what will happen when you're following Jesus. You, 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 you'll know the Holy Spirit's living in you because he'll be like, nah, uh no, 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 no. You get back in there and you apologize. He'll bring you to your knees. Because you're about to damage years of relationship if you don't get back in there and do this right. Don't want that, amen? And we do that to each other like it's, you cut in front of me in the car. People killing each other. Hey, just remember, God, thank you for a vehicle. I'm not walking. Thank you, Lord, that I can drive today if it takes me longer. Thank you, Lord, for traffic, God. That means people are alive and well, and people are doing well, and they're still putting gas in their car. I mean, you got you to get perspective. You know, that's longer. I can turn on the worship on the radio or listen to Pastor James preaching this morning on the way to work. God, help me, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Anybody? It's 11.13. I wanted to be done by now. I'm going to hurry. I'm almost done. So I said, you know, when the church in the New Testament is called the Ecclesia. And here's what it means. It means a called out assembly or congregation. A called out. Everybody say a called out in other words, God says, look, I'm calling out my people. In other words, you got to be different. I'm calling you out not to live like the world, but to live as I have created you to live, which is, number one, love God. And I'm not finished there. He said, equal with it is to love your neighbor. It's not like, well, I love God, and then, then I'll love my neighbor. He said, no, no, it's one and the same. And I've said this for years. I mean, I probably started this, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, the first time I preached a message about how that, what that looks like. In other words, people think that they have, have you know, this thing going on with God. It's like it's just me and God, just me and God. It's, vertical, it's a vertical relationship. It's me and it's God, and as long as we got it going on, everything's all right. Just me and God. I mean, it doesn't matter what else. I don't need no friends. I don't need no relationship. I don't need you. I just got Jesus. Jesus stands up and says, no, 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 no. He adds, love your neighbor. So he said, if you got this going on, my loved ones, the connections, my most valuable asset, that, that shows this is going on. Don't say you got this going on, but this is not happening. Because you can't love God and not love this way. You just thought you could. 
We need more than casual connections, church. I'm talking about the kind of relationships that will transform your life. I'm talking about where you're experiencing oneness with one another. I mean, I look at my staff. One thing about our staff, I love them so much. We've gone through the good and the bad and ugly together. I've experienced personal victories in their life, and I've experienced tough times in their life. I've experienced they all are married just like you, and they have their, their things that they go through. They're raising kids and having babies. And, and, but over time and our time together and talking about God's kingdom has brought a oneness it's hard to get away from. I'm talking about relationships that will bring healing in your life. We talked about the kind of relationships that will bring freedom because when you begin to come together and confess with one another and you're really interconnected, you can share your life and God will heal you and set you free. Talking about relationships that will bring accountability. In other words, when you start falling off the deep end, somebody will come and get you. You may not like it at the time, but because I'm your real friend, I'm showing up at your house. If I got that literally break in your door, I'm coming to get you and rescue you because I'm not going to let you die on my watch. You're way more valuable than that. And you know what? This is just a blip in your life. This is a bad time. And, you know, maybe you're going through a marriage issue or raise, you know, when you're raising children, that's why I say it takes everybody. Because, you know, there's some things that you can't say to your kid, but somebody else can. And they all of a sudden like, wow, that, that, I understand. I'm like, I've been saying that for the last five years. And then another person says it, and it's like, Dad, guess what? Really? <laughs> relationships that bring joy and abundant life and relationships that stretch your faith and your walk with God and I'm talking about even times where you'll find yourself praying together. I'm talking about the kind of relationships even uh, you having a prayer meeting at the end of service up here where just friends together where you're sharing tears of joy as you're praying for one another and the Holy Spirit moves in and begins to do a miracle work in your heart that you cannot do by yourself. Where you're not afraid, you know, the Bible says lay hands on the sick, lay hands on one another. There's it's something significant even about that. You may have not have been raised about that, but when you have somebody you trust, you know, it, it, and somebody puts their hand on you, it's like intimacy. I trust them. Love, affection. Are y'all getting me? Or is it y'all feel me? Relationships and friendships that can last a lifetime and make us the best life. Some people ask the question, well, pastor, can an individual be a Christian without going to church and relationships? I mean, I, I, let me give you the straight answer. Yes, you can. However, it's something like a student who won't go to school. A soldier who's not part of the army. A citizen who doesn't pay their taxes and vote. A salesman with no customers. A businessman on a deserted island. A writer without readers. 
a football player without a team. Y'all get my point? You weren't made to live by yourself. We are better and stronger together. So today, last week we started our connections with our life groups. That's where we have our small groups. We're kicking off the semester this week on Wednesday night. We call it the table. Some of you are holding out. Thank God we had, I don't know, 108 physically sign up in the foyer last week. Yeah, 108 people signed up for groups. Plus, I think there's some online, right? We had over 200. Is that what I? 200 plus people already. So you're missing out if you ain't signed up. Some groups are not on Wednesday night. If you can't do Wednesday night, there's other groups and other nights. Men, there's a group for men on Wednesday night and Thursday night. Yeah, come on. We need more men in the group. Yep. But I want to bring some folks up here as we end today, but I want them to share their testimony. I want Shane and Nancy to come up here. Uh, this is Shane and Nancy Terry, everybody. If you don't know these people... You need to introduce yourselves. These are some wonderful folks who have been a part of our church coming. And matter of fact, they just accepted to take on to help lead our life groups, by the way. Yep. But I want them to give a testimony. Thank you, guys. I want them to give a little bit of a testimony of what they experienced when they first got connected to a life group. Well, hello, everyone. Y'all stand up there. <laughs> well, I'll try not to be too nervous, but um, I, I go back. We've been part of the church for almost four years now. And, um, you know, when, when first Nancy started a life group with Miss Karen, and, uh, you know, then uh, I think it was Stovall. I can't, I can't remember how I got involved, but they were reading a book, No More Excuses by uh, Tony Evans. And uh, I remember a lot of the people that were in that group. Can y'all stand up? Come on, guys. You were in that group. So you guys changed my life. You know, that, that life group was so awesome. Uh, it, it really brought me out of my um, comfort level. I used to come in, sit in the very back of the church. And, I, you know, it, it just really... Um, brought a lot out of me just, you know, just listening to, you know, doing all the questions and hearing you guys, I started to realize that I wasn't alone. I, I wasn't the only one that felt the way that I felt about, you know, not knowing or just learning more about the Word of God and, and just about being a male, being a man, uh, a father, a husband, and uh, hearing so many different testimonies and having such a great cross-section of men that I'm sitting there going, it's not just me, you know, it's not just me. It, it, I was not alone. And we were able to really bring each other up. We were able to really just talk about the different things that, you know, a lot of us won't talk about. We try to keep it internal, keep it here. I dropped my guard and opened up and it just really changed who I was and who I was in God and 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 just as a father. I know Miss Karen with, with Nancy and I'll spare you the mic, but <laughs> but uh, 
I know that, you know, you really taught us a lot. And I know that all of that started in life groups. Um, I'm so honored and so happy to be able to be a part of life groups. And I really hope that, you know, a lot of you men um, just just sign up, give it a shot. You'll uh, it'll change your life just like it changed mine. Okay. Um, thank you, man. Thank you guys. I appreciate them stepping up and telling their testimony. Everybody stand this morning. I know you've been sitting a while. Uh, before you walk out, look, I always give an opportunity for somebody to make a decision to follow God. And if you're here today and somebody brought you in, you're visiting, maybe somebody promised you lunch. But you're here and the Holy Spirit's talked to you, spoken to you. And you want to pray this prayer to receive Jesus or to make a new fresh start, a new commitment to Christ. I want to pray together with you, not to embarrass anybody. If you just bow your heads real quick. If you're here today and that's you, say, Pastor, I'm, I'm, ready, to, I'm ready for a fresh start. You just raise your hand let me know. Anybody in the building? Amen. Amen. Anybody? Thank you, brother. I see you all the way back there in the back. Thank you, sir. I see you. God bless you. You're saying, it. you know what, it's time. It's time to get connected. Everybody pray with me. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for going to a cross to die for all my sin, my past, my present, even my future. Today I surrender. I make you my Lord and my Savior. Come into my life. Be first in my life. In Jesus' name. Everybody say a big amen. Give them a hand clap that have made that decision. Listen, listen. We have a Bible for you. If you're, if you're new to the church, we have Bibles up here for you. That It's New Believers Bible. We'd love to give you one for absolutely free. You can come up to the front. We'll give you one. Don't forget about VIP. If you're a guest with us today, Debbie and I would love to say hello. If you got a few minutes, go get your kids. Come by and uh, say hello. Get out there and sign up for a group today. Wednesday night at the table, 7 p.m. in the chapel. We'll see you then. God bless you.